Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paddler's Playbook, a kayak fishing experience. Brought to you by Mariner Sales, providing the largest selection of kayaks and kayak accessories since 1975. Real sportswear, get out on the water and wear what the guides wear. Galveston Redfish Series, the largest, most affordable redfish series on the Gulf Coast. Sign up today. Pure Fishing, home to the world's most trusted fishing brands. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle with your host, Drew Turner. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. This is another edition of the Paddler's Playbook, coming to you live from the Mariner Sales Studios here in Conroe, Texas. Guys, I've learned two new lessons on my last fishing trip. First lesson, I still suck at running my GoPro. Even though I can run my GoPro theoretically all day long with my battery packs and everything, I'm still not running all the time and getting all the fish that I caught on my last trip out I probably caught 12 fish. Most of them were sight casted. Would have been some pretty awesome video. I mean, from the angle that I'm at, you can see me like looking, looking, see the fish, put my paddle down, flip over in front of it, hook up, drag screaming. Yeah, well, the first fish, I did not have my camera pointed in the right direction. I had it set up perfectly if I was sitting down. But I was not sitting down. I was standing up. So you can see my back, uh, my legs, my butt. But you cannot even see my head. Can't even see most of the rod. So yeah, that, that, that wasn't very good. Then the next one I caught, you could definitely see everything. But this was after I adjusted my camera, actually turned on my battery pack, got everything correct. But that was the last fish of the day. So in between there, first fish of the day I got where you couldn't see anything. So I looked back at my camera and I was like, well, that's not going to be good. So then I readjusted my camera. Well, then I paddled around and I looked for some fish. Used my motor, which we'll talk about that in just a second. And, uh, you know, ran, ran, ran until that first battery ran out and then it completely ran out and I I didn't hear it go off because my motor was running that's something else that we'll talk about in just a second and I didn't hear it go off so I just proceeded to fish because I thought my battery pack was charging it well you know after I catch a fish I usually say you know GoPro power off or GoPro highlight that way it's a little easier to find my catches whenever I'm doing editing well I did that and I didn't hear anything and I didn't really think nothing of it because I was covered in fish so for the next hour and a half two hours like I said I caught another about 10 fish not a single one of them got caught on the GoPro so I stopped Actually, the wind blew me because the wind started to pick up. Blew me into a little island. I decided I was going to let the fish reload in the little pocket that I was sight casting because there was fish everywhere. 
and I missed a lot of fish too and spooked them. So I let the fish reload, and as I was doing that, I look back, and I look at my camera, and my little red light is not blinking. I'm like, what the heck? Well, turns out that whole time, I wasn't recording anything. thought I was recording. I was even talking to my camera. You know, I was like, hey, guys, out here in the marsh, these fish are really spooky. You know, I just switched from a white swim bait, you know, gulp paddle shad to a really small crab imitation. They were still spooking on the crab imitation. So then I switched over to a spoon because they're feeding on shad so i thought i'd throw something shiny to get their attention that spooked them too the only thing that would work was an underspin on a dark colored paddle tail you know and i'm I'm sitting there talking to the camera not even noticing that the light wasn't on as i'm talking to the camera this time like goofy you know i'm glad nobody was out there with me and you know, could see that I was over there just talking to myself like an idiot. So I sat out there and talked to myself and, you know, about, I don't know, I was really in the fish, got pushed up against that island. So I'm like, oh, let me take a break. Let me go through my footage. And then that's when I realized I never had it on and it was dead and I never turned my battery pack on. So turned my battery pack on. And then, of course, you know, the fish didn't reload like I wanted them to. I only caught one more fish after that in that area, but that just, that's how it goes. Um, I'll tell you a few things that I learned. I learned that 12 pound fluorocarbon does not hold up to redfish teeth. If you're throwing any kind of soft plastic, I got broke off probably four times before I realized I just needed to put my drag at barely anything, just enough to get a hook set. Um, If I had my drag tight at all, and this was on spinning gear, if I had my drag tight at all, I was just getting busted off. And it was also weird. I was fishing in really, really shallow water, probably, I mean, this where I was catching fish was left less than a foot. At times, I mean, you could see the tails sticking out of the water. There was belly crawlers around. But they didn't want a light-colored lure, which is different than most of the stuff you hear. So in that explanation where I was sounding like a goofball talking to my camera, like that was actually, you know, how it went. So I was throwing a dark-colored, or actually I was throwing a light-colored paddle shad. So I was throwing a white and chartreuse paddle shad. And they were spooking off of that. Um, They weren't line shy or anything because there wasn't any line in the water. I mean, it was only a foot of water. And they weren't spooking because of me because I was actually behind the fish. I noticed that the fish were swimming into the wind and I was staying behind them, throwing in front of them and then bringing bringing it back. But they didn't want anything light-colored. Like, I even switched over to a Savage Gear crab, and it's a little uh, peeler crab. They're really small. They didn't want anything to do with that because it was kind of a darker color. I mean, a lighter color. It was a really light gray and white. 
And then I switched over to the spoon. They didn't want anything to do with that spoon. That spooked them. And usually, if they're getting spooked off of lures, a spoon, they won't get spooked off a spoon. They see that flash, and they just can't help themselves. They just go eat it. So I was like, man, I've thrown everything. Let me throw something that I don't think will catch them. Because sometimes that's what you got to do. So when you think of things, like if you get in a situation where you're like, I don't know what to try, then try something just kind of off the wall. So an underspin isn't really off the wall for shallow water, but it was gin clear water with, and it had a black tungsten weight on the underspin. So I was actually catching them on a morning glory with chartreuse on an underspin with a black weight on it, and they just started hammering them. I mean, there were fish turning. I would be throwing after one fish, and another fish would turn 10, 20 foot away to come over there towards the lure um, whenever I wasn't even throwing at that fish. Like, they were chasing it. Where, you know, not even 10 minutes before throwing those other lures they wouldn't even come close to it. Like, they were spooking away. And this was actually the first time as well that I saw schools of fish that weren't feeding. So they were just chilling. Like, they were chilling on points, chilling in the shallows, not feeding, just chilling. Like, eight fish, just chilling. And, you know, it's it's kind of cool and to see whenever you spook eight fish in that shallow of water, it's like a grenade goes off. It's just, and there's water flying everywhere. I'm going to post a video in that same area. Um, I went to poke a, probably a five-foot gar with my paddle, and it lost its mind, and it threw water everywhere. Like, there was water almost on the camera that was on the other side of the kayak in the back, like, it really looked like I dropped three bowling balls into the water, but it was crazy. Now, a second ago, you guys heard me talk about the motor, and I didn't hear anything going on. Well, this was my first trip out on my new canoe, Unlimited. And I got to say, it was a great boat on the water in the marsh for what I was doing and what I like to do. Now, that's not to say it's not going to have its cons. I mean, it has its pros. And I'm really putting it up against the autopilot in this scenario that I'm about to talk about. So, you heard me talking about noise. Now, that is one thing with the Newport that is way different than with the autopilot Minn Kota. The Minn Kota motor is much, much, much quieter. Like, you don't hear a big whine all the time. And I think it's because of the placement. It may be just as loud, but since it's in front of you under the water, I don't think you get as much noise coming from it. Now, in the back where the Newport is and the way it sits, like, it's a little bit louder now, even out of the water, it's it's a little bit louder. So there's no there's no denying the Newport is is louder, 
But I was able to run that Newport much, much shallower. And when I mean much shallower, I have that thing trimmed up where almost if the boat can float, I can run the motor. And it still ran well. I mean, I got almost six miles an hour with the wind behind my back at 60%, you know, normal. I was getting like 4.2. Um, that's without going against the wind or the tide or anything. I was going 4.2. Um, if I went up to 80%, you know, I was getting five. Where in the Minkota with the autopilot, like 3.9, 3.84, 4, that was tops. That was running at full blast, and that was tops. So, although it may be a little bit louder, definitely faster. Um, I can definitely run a lot shallower. I do think the autopilot is more stable than the unlimited, but that's not saying the unlimited isn't stable. Because it is a very, very stable platform, but literally for me, the autopilot was like standing on a dock. Now, the Unlimited is definitely more stable than my Big Water PDL, but again, my Big Water PDL is very stable too. All of them I could throw a cast net on, you know, I can turn around, I can stand up, I can do whatever. But I think as far as just straight stability the autopilot has it but the autopilot is also bigger um it sits in the water deeper the the way the hull is designed is a little bit different and it does not paddle very well in the marsh now being a 41 inch boat the newport paddles great for its size and when i say great i mean it paddles really 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 well for its size I was paddling into the wind some of the day and I was just like man this is this is not that bad like I really didn't have to dig down deep deep into the um into the into the marsh to get this thing moving it did really really well now this is the first trip out uh, on it but I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I look forward to bringing you guys some more, you know, pros and cons of the boat. Um, I've been really impressed with it so far. Like I said, the only con that I really saw was just that Newport is it's pretty loud and I'm just not used to it. But it's definitely faster. So like with everything, there's some give and takes. And I'm sure I will have some more thoughts on that New Canoe Unlimited coming very very soon but guys i'm gonna kick it over to jess we're gonna get into this episode with my man Vinny. as you'll hear this is the second time we had to record this episode and we talk about all kinds of stuff i think this is the longest episode of this season um since i've been rolling solo and putting it out weekly this has been the longest episode recorded and me and Vinny talk about everything now, there's probably going to be some things in here that not everybody agrees with, but that's okay. That's that's America. You guys don't have to agree. You don't have to agree in the, in the way that we see things. But I'm glad you guys are here listening. And if you don't agree, tell me on my Facebook page. Check Head on over to the Paddler's Playbook 
on Facebook and Instagram and let me know what you agree with in this episode and what you don't agree with. And when you get to that point in the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's definitely a point where we uh, we start to talk about things that we agree with that others may not. So hope you guys enjoy. Hey, bro staff. Looking for the ultimate kayaking experience? Look no further than Mariner Sales Kayaks. Their selection of top-of-the-line kayaks and accessories is unmatched, and their knowledgeable staff is always here to help you find the gear for your next adventure. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced paddler, they have everything you need to make the most of your time on the water. Visit them today and see why Mariner Sales is the go-to destination for kayaking enthusiasts everywhere. That's MarinerSales.com. Log on for your adventure today. Speaking of adventure, introducing Galveston Redfish Series Event 2, the ultimate fishing competition for all redfish enthusiasts. Join us on the beautiful coast of Galveston for a weekend of adrenaline-fueled action as you battle it out to catch the biggest and the best redfish in the area. With a cash prize of $10,000 up for grabs, it's time to show off your skills and compete against the best in the game. Don't miss out on this thrilling event. Register now for the Galveston Redfish Series Event 2. If your adventures have you going from the boardroom to the boat ramp, then you need to log on to realsportswear.com. Explore their must-have fishing shirts, best-selling fishing shorts, and their top-rated fishing headgear. Whether you're fishing all day or hanging out in the blind each weekend, they have all the clothing products that you need to make your next adventure a stylish success. That's realsportswear.com. Log on today. That's it for me, bro staff. I'm Salt Side Jess, and as always, I'll see you on the salt side. Once again, thank you so much, Jessica, for all of the news from all of our sponsors. By the time this comes out in the intro, I will have let you know you guys know how I did at Galveston Redfish Series. But I'm like I t- I've told you guys before, I'm recording in batches. And I recorded in batches previously, the first set of batches. But you know when you're cooking something new and you're experimenting with recipes and stuff, like sometimes you can just really screw up a batch of things? Well, the first batch of recordings for this season, I did three of them. And my guest today, Mr. Vinny, Vinny told me, Vinny said, Hey, man, there's a bad echo. I'm like, oh, I don't hear no echo. It's okay. We're good. And he's like, no, it's, it's a bad echo. I was like, well, let's just, let's just record through it. We'll be fine. So I record three episodes. I'm going to say I didn't know, but then he told me that it sucked, like my audio was horrible. And then I go back to listen to it, and it's freaking horrible. Um, there's a horrible echo. It sounds like, you know... Vinny was God, like, hey, 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 it's Vinny, 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 Vinny. Like, he's, he's, he's sounding like he's another otherworldly figure um, sitting there talking. So first off, Vinny, I, I got to apologize. Vinny, I should have listened to you. It took three recordings for me to finally figure out that I screwed up my board because I completely reset it. So first off, Vinny, I am sorry, man. I should have hey. listened to you. We get to hang out for another hour, man. No complaints here. No worries. Yeah, and we waited a little bit to do this, and it's funny 
that we both kind of had the same mindset whenever we were talking before we started recording this year. Like, well, I just needed to wait long enough to forget what we talked about. That way it'll be all fresh information, which it's going to be all fresh information because all I remember talking about was that you were going to drop an announcement, which you dropped last week, but we're going to talk about it in just a second. And we talked native kayaks. So guess what, guys? We're going to hear about that announcement. We're going to talk native kayaks. And then Vinny and I are going to get into kind of the preparations before the tournament, some things that, that you should be taking into consideration. Because for you guys watching this video, you can't see it behind him, but he's got a big old Hobie check, a new one that's sitting right behind him. And he has got trophies and plaques all around him. So, Vinny, we're going to talk a little bit about tournament prep because you've had some success on these national trails lately, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But before we do that, why don't you tell us what you teased on the show that never made it to the light of day because you announced it on KBN the other day. But go ahead and let the Paddler's Playbook listeners know what, what what's coming from Native. So we've actually – had a second announcement since oh, the a last second. time we recorded this show. So I am one of the directors for the Native Watercraft No Limit series featuring the Big Bass Power Hour. Uh, we brought back our five standard events this season, but we also wanted to expand. So we are the original announcement was that we were going to Lake Gunnersville in August. And the new announcement is that we are now also going to Lake Fork in October. So Ooh. pretty exciting news. We got uh, a true Southeast event in Alabama, and then we're going to give you Texas boys an opportunity to come catch some bass with us on the amazing Lake Fork out of Lake Fork Marina. So we're looking forward to that. That that should be a good event. I mean, it's it's one of the legendary lakes, not only in Texas, but in, in the United States. And I've got a little criticism for some people who were actually criticizing you whenever I saw that announcement. They were like, October is the worst time to come to Texas. Da, 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 da. I'm like, bro, have you ever fished in Texas in July or August? <laughs> like, October is not the worst time to come to Texas. July and August is the worst time to come to Texas. So we wanted it. We wanted to avoid, obviously, the hottest time of the year. There's no way anybody wants to fish July and August. Um, we wanted it to be the last event of the season because it wasn't finally booked yet. So we knew it would have to be later in the calendar year. And then I called some of my buddies, uh, Duke Tran in Texas. And I was like, listen, dude, we want a late season. Yeah, we want a late season event. When do I come? And he said October. So for those who are hating on the fact that we're coming in October, that date comes from a Texas resident angler. So I'm excited we're going in October. I won't personally, when we made the schedule, I was personally going to be there. But uh, Marvin Forte, from Oregon is actually going to direct that event. So he'll have our, his team behind him, but he'll be the director on site for that event. Well, no matter when you have it, you're not going to please everybody. No. There's going to be people. Oh God, we're got to, we got to fish there in the spawn. Oh, we got to fish there post spawn. Oh, we got to fish there in the middle of the summer. Oh yeah. God, we got to fish there when they're feeding up for the winter time. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's horrible. Gotcha. That's horrible. Maybe there's going to be a storm that comes through. It's going storm can come through any time of year. Jesus Christ! I mean, November, October, November is for me. That's my favorite time to fish because it can be 
you're not sweating. You don't have swamp ass all day because it's freaking 100 degrees outside. You can actually enjoy the foliage, if that's even a thing here. You can, and it's, you can late, enjoy- it's late October, so it really is yeah. almost November. It's October 28th, so we're pushing November, a couple days away from November. We were joking, Halloween theme, wear a costume to the weigh-in kind of deal. So we'll see where it all goes. But I think, you know, obviously as a team, our goal is 100 anglers. I think if we can hit the 100, uh, it gets a green thumb and we and we move forward. So we'll see if that's possible. Uh, Drew, I hope you can push that event through your Texas bass anglers and try to get some guys out there for us. Oh, I will. We'll, we'll, we'll push it for you. We'll push it for you. But for those that don't know about the No Limit Series, you know, t- talk a little bit about the native No Limit Series. And I called it the right name this time. You see, I didn't screw it up this time. Last time I screwed it up twice, but I got it now. Because I'm just thinking of Master P. Now that I see you, I think of Master P, No Limit. Make him say, oh. It ain't my fault. <laughs> Man, we're taking it back now. Jeez. Hey, look, whenever on the rods that I just made for me and my brother, um, our little thing, if you if you watch any of our reels or anything, you'll hear us yell, hooty hoo! So, because <laughs> we're tournament fishing as partners, whenever we hook into a fish, we yell, hooty hoo! That way the other one can come over to help measure or do whatever okay. we got to do. So, on the rods that I that I just made for us, it just says real big, hooty hoo, across the top of it. That's so, awesome. We're taking it back, baby. So, <laughs> next time you catch a big fish, watch. Instead of saying like, oh, there she is, there she is, you're just going to go, hooty hoo! <laughs> nobody will know because I don't run any GoPros or anything. Yeah, nobody, nobody will know. People will be like, who the heck is screaming over there? Is that go okay? <laughs> so, uh, the series itself. Uh, you know, it's a format that guys may be used to from the boat world uh, and with a combination of MLF. So we took the the true no limit. Uh, you guys can weigh in as many 14 inches and up at that you catch in an eight hour period. And then we also took the big bass that the big bass format that the boaters are doing. We put it in our event. So now we are also going to pay out for the longest bass per hour every hour. So as long as an event hits 100 anglers, there'll be $1,000 per hour every hour for the longest bass. And then there'll also be an overall payout based on your no limit standings. And we'll just say top eight for now. It just depends on how many guys sign up. But we were also, and this is an amazing day to do this podcast, uh, Native Watercraft dropped today some amazing relationships that we formed over last season being our first season, and we were able to lock up a lot of new sponsor money and sponsor prizes. So along with the $1,000 per hour, we have extra $500 checks that are going to go home with people. We have $500 gift cards that are going to go home with people. So it's really, it's going to be a big year for us, and we're pretty excited about it. Anytime you're bringing up money, Anytime you're bringing up extra money for anglers, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get a clap. What's entry fee uh, look like for these tournaments? So entry is one hundred and twenty five dollars. Uh, it gives you a shot at obviously thousand dollars an hour minimum with a hundred guys, and we're also gonna give away three native watercraft kayaks, two propels, and a Falcon Eleven. Oh, not what about launches? Are you doing designated launch points, or how's that gonna work? That's uh, something it, we talked about last time that I forgot. But go ahead. So each each event is, I don't really want to say a standalone, but each event's a little bit different. So I'll speak to my Carolina event. We will have designated lakes because it is a multi-lake format. 
designated launches, and my event in particular will be manpower only. And the reason each event is slightly different is because the event is catered to the hometown club. So my club here that I host, Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing, we are manpowered. We already follow a lake list. We already follow a ramp list. So it's an easy transition for anglers looking to jump into the No Limit series. So why do why do you guys do manpower only? And I know this could be a whole different topic of conversation, but that is the big thing that a lot of people are talking about. So I talked about it with Adam from um, Berkeley on two episodes ago. But why are you doing manpower only? Because I'm on the fence, and I'm going to make my mind up by the end of the year which side of the fence I'm on. But I'm on the fence right now because I can see it both ways. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not ignorant, so I can see it both ways as well. So uh, the reason we are still manpowered is because we've been manpowered for nine years, and I like to track numbers and data, and our data says we're doing just fine. Uh, We – you know, we if it ain't broke, about, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We average about 120 anglers a month. We are surrounded by clubs that allow motors that are not even close to that. Those clubs average 30 to 40. Um, you know, there may be other factors as to why they average 30 or 40 people and why we have a, average 120 people. But one of those factors is we are manpowered and they're motored. So I don't think it would help us right now. I actually think it would hurt us to go motored because the guys who are not going to go spend another $2,000 on a motor setup, uh, they're not going to want to compete against somebody who is going to spend the $2,000 on the motor setup. So it's a huge, huge advantage to fish with a motor. I don't want to hear the still, you still got to catch them thing. That's, that's a bunch of BS. And that's just me being real. Um, I've been fishing with a motor now for about a year, either if it's a bass event or I'm practicing for a long Hobie event. And man, having the motor is such an advantage. Being able to run through an area with a motor and live scope and never have to make a cast is, and know there's fish there or there's not, is a tremendous advantage. Having to press a button and race to a spot versus actual racing to a spot and being exhausted when you get there, two different worlds. So not really trying to combine those two worlds right now. I think everybody having to use manpowered physical exertion, um, who's the strongest, who can last the longest kind of deal. I think that's where we want to be for now. And I don't have any plans of changing that. Now, that's the first time I've heard someone say the combination of live scope and motor. I can, I can, I can get a board on that because that is – that is something I haven't thought about because I'm I'm so redfish minded. Like I just think about being in two, three foot of water where live scope don't matter. It don't even matter if you have a fish finder on your rig. Yeah. I'm just thinking more on the lines of the physical exertion. And I talked about this with Adam, and I talked about this on Bass and Brews the other day too. The way I look at it is are we trying to find out who the best angler is out of a kayak are we trying to find out who the best kayak angler is because that's to me that's two different things because like you said you have to change up your game plan 100 whenever you're pedaling you have to change up your game plan when you're you have the motor 
you have to it's you're more physically exerting no matter how doesn't matter what shape you're in yeah it is harder to pedal and paddle than it is to use the motor through throughout the day so i'm still on the fence although for the bass world you're kind of pulling me towards the not using a motor because now i'm thinking about how how much water you can cover with live scope and a motor and now i can see why some of these guys are like oh man he's just got more money in his rig i can't compete with that out of my used pedal drive kayak that i got so so something that and i know we're going to talk about prep and this really isn't going to align because i do prep a lot whenever i am able to and i practice a lot whenever i am able to but on tournaments where i'm not able to practice for example, the South Carolina Bass Nation series, not a very large series, but it's the series that's keeping my fire lit this season. It's the series that I'm fishing because I no longer fish Queen City and because I didn't have an opportunity this season to fish five, six, seven Hobie events. So I knew I had two Hobie events on the calendar and I had a a Bassmaster Open on the calendar. The other five are the South Carolina Bass Nation. Well, I told the director that I wasn't going to pre-fish one time for his whole series. And he kind of laughed at me. And, and in my mind, I was like, well, I have a motor and live scope. So chances are I won't need it. I can just show up, find stuff on the screen and catch them. And case in point, I went to a lake I had never fished before in February, ran the motor as fast as I could to where I wanted to be, got there, graph lit up, finished fourth place, cut a check, auto qualified. So like it took no practice. So, and, and I'm not bragging. I'm saying that without a motor, probably couldn't have got there did what i wanted to do and had a backup plan Mm -hmm. where with the motor i could have a a spot b a spot c because all it is is a flick of the throttle and i go wherever i want to go versus damn now i gotta pedal three miles to get to spot b i don't know if i want to do that so it it completely changes the whole game and people argue with me well you allow pedals versus paddles yeah you're right i do but we're both tired when we get where we got to go. We're both still not able to cover 15, 20 miles in a day. You know, whether you're paddling or pedaling, you're probably in that, I don't know, three to eight miles maybe if you're freaking crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But with a motor, dude, I go eight miles one way. And yeah, and that's, even, that's nothing. That's nothing. I don't even break a sweat. So it, it's a completely different world. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying the series that I choose to direct for now and for the near future is is going to stay manpower. I, I think I think the live scope, adding in the live scope and the motor is what yeah. has kind of changed my view on it because before whenever I see people post about it, I was like, "Well, just just put some more money into your rig. Like if you're going to invest to gamble, I mean because kayak tournaments is really just it's a gambling. I mean, yeah. you're just you're, it's glorified gambling with, and we're calling it a sport. Like it's, it's just gambling with a bunch of guys is, is, is what it is. But if you're going to invest in the gamble, like put some money into it. If you want to, if you want to compete with the big boys, if not fish, some of the smaller tournaments that don't allow them and things like that. But now that you're talking about the live scope, like that's making me scratch my ball head over here. Bro, you hmm. can take it. You I didn't even think about that. Level. Imagine motor, live scope, and spot lock. 
Like, that's insanity. It's insanity. And then you got some dude over here, you know, paddling a, um, something from Bass Pro. Like, whole different spectrum. Well, and, and that that goes to show, I think, where what I was talking about earlier. Do you want to find the best angler that's using a kayak, or do you want to find the best kayaker, you know, yep. kayak angler? Like, what yep. what are you trying to accomplish? And I think if it was presented more like that for reasonable people, because you seem like a very reasonable person. I feel like I'm a reasonable, reasonable, logical person. But you see some of these arguments on Facebook and like, like one guy's like, well, listen here, peasant, like get you, spend some money and get you a good rig. The only reason you don't want to do it is because you can't put a motor on there. Buy a $200 trolling motor and throw it on the back and come out and fish with everybody and shut up. And, you know, it's just the other guys are like, well, it's not even a kayak anymore once you do that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. There's I, two sides to every story. Like there's two ways to look at that. it. I can't be in that those Facebook arguments. I don't have the patience for it. Guys I like reading them. them. Well, yeah, I'll sit back and laugh on my in my living room, but I'm not going to comment. Like half, 99% of the stuff on KBN, you won't ever see me in the comments. I've seen it all, but you won't see me in the comments. <laughs> I, I only comment on a few different things on there, and I don't even want to say what I comment on, but it's it's <laughs> it's funny stuff because my comments always the same. It's about getting paid because that seems oh. to be that seems to be an issue. Uh, that's always posted on there. I mean, but it's always an issue. <laughs> I, hey, hey, like I get what? into well, uh, I get into these rabbit holes too with with stuff that I have no business having an opinion about. Like they canceled some tournament because and it was associated with another regional tournament. I don't know if you saw all that mess and of course I think I it was Michigan or something like that, mm-hmm. and they canceled it and then. The some people were mad at the regional guys, but the regional guys were like, "Hell, they're not even paying out their winners. They're how are they gonna pay us out to run the tournament? Like, no, we're not doing it." And it's just, it's a damn mess, dude. But I've never heard anything about your your series like that because that that's that shit ain't happening with Vinny as the commish, is it? No, you getting paid that night, or if if I'm fishing a two day, you'll get paid the next morning. You know, like. Hobie, for example, you know, usually it's a two day event, so I can't pay out right away, but usually you're paid out night of. So we're talking about tournaments. You were talking about you have the one with the motor. I mean, and you run all natives. So let's go. Let's give it. Let's talk about three kayaks, because I know, you know, you know, everything about the the native lineup. Say you want to be a guy, one that's just wants to paddle. He wants to be that purist. One who wants the pedal drive, and then one that wants to completely rig it up, throw live scope on there, and he wants to be Vinny getting fourth place in this tournament where he's never even fished before. So which which ones you pick which order you want to go in and tell me what three native kayaks you would pick for those applications. I think the purest, uh maybe maybe moving water slash purist would be your Falcon eleven. Uh, nice little entry level paddle kayak. No, no options to add pedals, but if you wanted to add a motor, you could in the back. Um, you know, entry price. I think it's ten ninety nine right now, and it handles really well in moving water. Like I said, maybe some smaller ponds or smaller lakes, and uh, pretty stable, from my understanding. I personally have not fished from it. I have my old school XC as my purest boat, so. 
Reports are that it is stable enough to stand in. So I think that would be your entry level purest boat. Are you pulling it up right now? Yeah, I'm I'm just looking. I want I want to see something. I want to see are you guys still making the ultimates? The FX, Ultimate FX. Not the propels, but yes. That was one of my favorite boats. And yes, I had I had that boat for about ten years. It was the first year I think that they made the FX version when they went from the regular native ultimate to the ultimate FX. And I had the FX-15, the tandem, but I had it set up in a, you know, the solo position. And with that boat being so long, that thing paddled so freaking well. And you could reconfigure it in 10 minutes and take your kid out in it. Like, it came with um, anchor trolleys already there. It came with underseat storage. It has the cup holders, the little bases in it. It was light, so if you wanted to throw it on top and car top it by yourself, you could throw it up there. That was one of my favorite kite, and I know you could stand up in it because I would stand on the seat and paddle around to look for redfish in that native. Yeah, ultimate. the water line on that boat is below the below the water, yes. so it's super stable. Um, I, we had an FX Propel in my house for a few years. My wife, that was her favorite kayak. So we had that. I had a custom ice blue with pink powder-coated tracks and pink uh, pedals and pink, all the plastic parts. We got painted pink, and it was her boat. She just didn't doesn't fish anymore, so we got rid of it. I actually sold it to a buddy, and they stole it from his backyard. So somebody out there has a one-of-one one ice blue Ultimate FX Propel. In the Carolinas. Yeah. So if someone sees that, you guys, yeah. you guys let somebody know because there's yeah. not going to be any other nope. ice blue with pink everything on it out nope. there. It is definitely uh, one of one, but yeah, we missed that one a little bit. All right. So that's the purest. You, you said go with the go with the Falcon. Um, yeah. I'm telling you guys, if you can get your hands on FX try the fx i i really like those but for moving water it could fill up like i be, personally be careful it. be careful in in moving water. it's great for flat bays though unless it really starts pouring the rain yeah well so for those for the people who don't know what why we're saying that kind of stuff it is a hybrid design it's not a sit on top or a sit in it's almost like a canoe so it's yeah. an open design. So if it starts raining, the water's going right where you're sitting. There is no, you know, I don't want people to think we're over here selling leaky boats and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, hybrid design, super fast, uh, sits right on top of the water, right below the water line, paddles really well. So, yeah, good, definitely a good purist boat. Has almost a pontoon-style hole. Yes. It's got, like, two little little dips in it. And it's great to stand in, too. Um, a lot of those hybrid boats are not great to stand in. We talked a little bit about it a, a few shows back. If you guys remember the Commander that was from Wilderness, it was the same kind of hybrid, but that same thing idea, sucked yeah. to stand in. Like It was <laughs> horrible. If you really want something really, really light, go find you original uh, Native Ultimate before they made it the FX, and that thing was super-duper light. And the way that you can tell the difference is – they will, there will be a metal bar that goes across the back for stability on the old school ones before it became the uh, the FX and it was just the native. But those things were only like, 
I want to say the old ones were like 52 pounds. Like they were super yep. duper light. You could do curls throw with that sucker and throw it on your sucker yep. and and <laughs> go with that. I re- I really like those, but I don't know why. Whenever I really first started getting into kayak fishing, I went through a time period where I just had the the hybrids. I don't know why I had a commander and then I had an ultimate and then I had an ultimate FX. I don't know. I don't know well, what it, it was, was before, about those before the game exploded and like sit-ons were the the thing. You know, this is the new flavor and this is where it's at. My so it's funny you fish for redfish and we're talking about the ultimate. My first two redfish that I ever caught came out of an ultimate FX. I believe it was a twelve. No, not FX. Ultimate twelve mm-hmm. out um at the Carolina coast. So. Yeah, it Back was... when it still had like the round seat bottom and it didn't have the deals <laughs> that stuck in there. Yep. I had I had one of those, man. I had one of those back in the day. I had one of the the first year that the native slayer came out, I had a native slayer as well and the native slayer propel. But all oh, right, yeah. we're getting way back into the we we're talking about boats that they don't even make anymore, but you can find them on the market. You can find them on Facebook Marketplace, I'm sure. But if you find a, an ice blue with pink, like send us a Holler message. Me. Let me know. Holler at us. Take a picture of it. Get a license plate or something. Yeah. But all right, so now pedal drive. Somebody wants a pedal drive kayak to get tournament ready. Where are you going to send them? Um, so I'm going to ask you your size. I'm going to ask you how tall and how heavy you are, and that will push me either towards the max – Slayer Max 12 or the Titan, probably Titan 12. I think the Titan 12 is a sweet spot. But um, if you're my size, 5'9", 200 ish, my tournament rig is a Slayer Max 12 and it does everything you need it to do. Uh, man powered, it's going to get you about four miles an hour. Motored, you're going to get about five miles an hour. It's got the nice panels for your electronics, it's got battery storage, it's got dry storage in the front of the boat. It's got power pole ready mounts. It's got uh, motor mount ready in the back, easy sidekick attachments on the tracks. The 16 by 16 black pack fits in the back in the tank. Well, um, so that is my overall do it all kayak. If I am somebody who, and I do own this boat as well. If I am somebody who wants a lot of storage and extreme stability, I'm going to push you towards a Titan 12, which is, I love that fishing platform the most. If I am going by myself or I'm hanging out with my kid, then that's the boat I want to grab. Um, I just sit up so high, nice open deck, endless amounts of storage in the front. You just lift the top and throw something in there, whether it's, you know, rain gear or food or whatever, if it's fishing gear, but, um, for me, when I'm on when I'm fishing these man-powered events, that little bit of extra speed that I get in the max keeps me in the max. But both great options. Now, what what type of fishing do you do? Like, would you consider yourself a power fisherman, a finesse fisherman? You like flipping docks, like because you said for you know that's the platform that you like the best. So. I'm guessing you like the storage and you like the stability. Yeah, so I I wouldn't I don't really like to say what type of fisherman I am. I'd like to think I'm well-rounded. I'd like to think in a situation where a crankbait is needed, I'm going to go out and catch 100 inches on a crankbait, and I'd like to think that I can go look at the live scope and put a drop shot in the water. So I I'm I carry 11 rods. <laughs> so That's a lot. You know, if if I had to choose, 
in a perfect world, I'd probably never put a crankbait and a jackhammer and a spinnerbait down. So I would 51% prefer to power fish, but I also have won plenty of money on a net rig, wacky rig drop shot. So I think if you're going to be successful against some of the best anglers in the country, you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to do a little bit of both. Uh, my big thing is I want to be standing most of the time and standing in the Titan is just amazing. You know, you're not that you're, and this is where people tend to get confused. It's not that the max is not stable. It's just not Titan stable. The Titan will not even wobble. So its initial stability and its secondary stability are phenomenal. You can literally walk on the side of it and get out on a dock where the max it's not going to flip and you're not going to fall out. It's just going to give that little tip. So for me, the Titan never having to think about it at all is just amazing. You know, I can have my foot up on the gunnel, ripping a crankbait 50 yards out there and never have to worry. Yeah. And, and for, for some of you newbies that don't know what he's talking about with the, you know, the primary stability and the secondary stability, all boats have both. They have a primary stability and that is where you get to a certain point, And I like to say that's that butt pucker point. So if you, if you start wobbling and you get to a point and you start to pucker up, but then the, the kayak don't go anywhere, that's where the primary stability ends and the secondary stability starts. You yeah. still have a ways to go before you're going to flip that boat. You just yeah. don't realize it. Now, once you get out on the water more and more, you feel a lot more comfortable leaning way over, like you're saying, stepping off the dock and things yeah. like that. And you may feel that in the Slayer Max. You may feel that primary stability kick into the secondary stability as you lean far over to one side, but you'll feel you'll you'll literally feel it catch and you'll feel like, okay, this isn't going anywhere, but if I keep leaning over, I'm gonna go over the side of this boat. Yeah, where, yeah, I'm going to go in like the boat isn't going to flip. I'm going to yeah. go in. But with the Titan, you hardly ever feel where that primary stability ends because it's so wide and the way that the hull is designed to suck down onto the water. Yeah, yeah. And we do, um, I'll, I'll put a little bit of information out there. We do have a new model coming out at ICAST this year Ooh. in July. So, Ooh. so stay tuned to ICAST. You headed down to iCast, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, I'm not allowed to release anything, but I am extremely excited for what we're putting out. I'm part of the design team on what's coming out. So I think it's going to be a pretty cool platform and uh, looking forward to getting to try it out, hopefully before iCast. I don't know if I'll actually get my hands on it, but I'll, uh, I do plan on being at iCast. So we'll see how it goes. Was there any feature that you were like, I like they could say that this is the Vinny feature that you were just adamant about that you were like, it's gotta have this. I mean, you don't have to say what it is, but was there anything that you were just like, listen, it's got to have this on the boat. It's funny. Um, yeah. So there's one in particular and I'm not going to tell you what it is. And it's honestly, it's not that big a deal, but you specifically are going to appreciate it. When it comes out and you text me and be like, is this it right here? Because it's something that I think we missed on on the Max. And I brought it up on the design and it just never made it to the mold. So I'm hoping it is currently on the digital 
screen for this new kayak. So I'm really hoping it makes it to the mold. And if it does, it's so little and so minute, but it's just one of them things. Well, now, now, now that you said that, it's going to be like a Where's Waldo. Like, we are going <laughs> to see the boat, and I want all the bro staff to think, like, <laughs> is that what Vinny was talking about right there? And then send me a message, because I'm going to call him, or I'm going to send him a message, and I'm going to ask, was it this? Was it this? Was it this? I'm, I'm going to see if I can guess this, this challenge. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys are dropping. Now, with your mo- you're running the motor on the titan correct or are you flip-flopping them what you doing do you want do you want the theory or do you want what's actually happening <laughs> i want what's actually happening on your boats like your boat oh. what are you doing so i'm gonna start with the theory so the theory was because the wife wanted to know why we still had a titan that had never been wet in 13 months why it was still in the garage and i said well babe that's for friends and she said, well, what about this one? And I was like, babe, go back inside. So, <laughs> so the yeah, Titan. Asking too many questions. Go back in the house. It's my garage. Go back in the house. So the Titan was supposed to be the kayak that was rigged for the motor. That's what was supposed to happen. Life took over. We got super busy. Uh, I never got a chance to put the red and green lights on it, to put the phone charger on it, you know, to to get my burly pro Cadillac. I, yeah, I never got a chance to rig it out. So it continued to sit there. Um, the Max was already rigged out. And I knew I couldn't really run the motor when I was chasing the Hobie series last year anyway, except for practice. So I wasn't too worried about it. So it just ended up easier to put the motor on the Max. So last month I made it. I was like, I'm doing it. This is the month I'm doing it. I'm going to, I'm taking the Titan out. So I had an extra Newport Vessels mount. I slapped it on the Titan. I moved over my Yak Attack lock and load for my throttle. I had a Velcro red and green for the front, real ghetto. Um, I drilled, put the one-inch hole in there, put the USB for my phone, ran it to a Dakota. So I had power. That's a big thing for me. I I, I need to know I have power for my phone. Because um, that's, you know, this is your lifeline when you're fishing for $10,000. This is really all that matters. So... I got it rigged out. I took it out and uh, I got to use it with a motor on it for the first time at Lake Russell about a month ago now. And um, I got 4.4 in a fully rigged Titan, which isn't terrible. But then I went back home and I was like, but I get 4.7 in the max. So I was 4.8 in the max. So I don't know, man. I'm back and forth of of what I'm actually going to use. I am using the Max this week because it's already rigged and I'm going down to Hartwell. So I will be in the Max this week. You guys listening, I just I want, I want to point something out really quickly. You guys know how I know that Vinny is a pro and Vinny is a tournament director and Vinny gets up and talks about companies and brands. You guys may not even know it, but he threw in like four spots for different <laughs> brands when he was given that explanation and i love it because i deal with almost all of those same people like that was that was great for for those of you that want to be on pro staff instead of being like you know dakota lithium is the best battery that has ever been on the face of this earth 
Do it like Vinny just did. He's like, I took my lock and load yak attack system, had my extra Newport vessels there. I, you know, I got my charger up to my Dakota lithium. Like that is how you do it, my man. I gotta give you pro- that. That's how you do it right there. So thank you. Uh, I do. I don't like to be the guy who shoves it down. It's back. <laughs> so I don't want to shove it down people's throat. When people ask, I tell, right? Um, I'm not affiliated with Newport. I'll be, the, you know, I have no affiliation with Newport. Uh, it is the motor I run. Ramel recently became a native member. So maybe him and I will spark up some conversations in the future. But uh, I also have personally, I'm not affiliated with Yak Attack. I just believe in their product. Uh, it's a great product. I've been using it for almost a decade now. Um, they do support Queen City. So it depends on which one of me you're talking to. Director-wise, they're a huge part of what we do for Queen City. Uh, angler-wise, I'm affiliated through Native Watercraft, but I'm not actually on team or anything like that. Uh, I am with Dakota Lithium. I love those guys. Everything I use is Dakota. Um, I power my hummingbird that I'm not affiliated with, with Dakota. Um, I power my orb, my Burley Pro orb. Um, that's the best light on the market. I don't care what company you work with or believe the Burley pro orb is the best 360 light on the market. And I I will stand by that until somebody beats it, but it's the only light that actually gives you light. And it's not just a legality, right? Cause most of us put it up so we can say we put it up and maybe a boat doesn't run us over, but the Burley pro literally gives you like a 10 foot circle around your kayak of usable visible light and you it angle now i'm really shouting out burly pro it angles down over mm-hmm. your head lights up your cockpit so like you can tie a lure on imagine that so i'm a huge fan of that light i don't ever want to use a different light um it, it looks like you're getting abducted by aliens whenever you have that thing on because it's like around yeah, the, so around the whole kayak yeah so you've seen it in action it, it's, oh yeah yeah, it's the best. I got it on a switch panel. I uh, hit the button, boom, and it pops on and pops off. It's the best thing I've ever used. And uh, so I'm waiting for another one for the Titan so I can have it on both. And then I got to get a switch panel put on the Titan as well. And if you're but, looking for any of those fine products that Vinny just talked about, check out Mariner Sales in Dallas, Texas. They have all of them. I know they have the Burley Pro Pro Orb because they are the uh u.s distributor for burley pro so they got everything burley pro if you guys want to check those out those orbs are sweet though man they are very very bright and yeah it's very easy to set up and you know i'm with you i'm with you on the yak attack i just rigged out my uh my kayak with yak attack and i have some yak attack accessories that i just ordered in the sand color to match my new kayak which i'm hoping to pick up next weekend or the weekend after at the demo days for mariner sales so if you guys want to hear or see any of that stuff come out to the mariner sales demo days as well that is a not so subtle uh advertisement there that is just yeah you guys come out and see me and talk to us Saltside jess will be there you guys want to meet Saltside jess she's going to be there too but okay so we talked about the native rigs that you have we've talked about the no limit series Let's talk a little bit about my man Vinny cashing checks. Man, I see it behind you. So how was your day? Tell me about your tournament a little bit. I see some trophies there. Like, woo. Third place. This is all I cared about right here. Now the seat, the seat's awesome. But this right here, obviously I like hardware. This is uh this is really all I wanted. And it was it was pretty cool to get it. You just wanted the trophy. I'm be honest, yeah, it's really the 
I mean, that's where I'm at now. Like, I want to fish in tournaments that have cool trophies because I I want the trophy. Like, I want to put some more crap behind me during this podcast. Like, I want some cool trophy. I want a big check. Like, because I want the pitcher. Like, you always want the pitcher holding the big check, but you also want the trophies. So, so I'm gonna. I didn't even tell AJ this. Um, So last year they did checks for. I could be wrong, but I think it was every cashing spot and they were paying out 10%. So top 20, mm-hmm. give or take, we're getting a check. So I was like, all right, I got a shot at getting one of these cool checks last year, right? Because, you know, obviously I got a 10th place last year. So I was like, all right, I got a check. Well, this year I walk in and I look at the table and I'm like, man, there's only three checks up there, AJ. He's like, yeah, man, we're only doing three checks. Get a check. I was like, there's no way top three pulling a check i'm not getting one of these catch trophies like i'm in trouble and then 48 hours later here we are so but man a big tournament like that like give give the checks to at least the top five guys because there's some people that just want the big check like they just want a pitcher with the big check like yeah do it. i mean and to you tournaments and i'm i mean this isn't it may sound mean but don't have them don't have them hold a blank check and then you digitally put their name and stuff on it for the pitchers. Like, spend a little bit of money down there at Kinko's and get you five checks made that you can get a big-ass Sharpie and write people's name on it and let them take the damn check home. Because a lot of us just want the trophy or the check. We could care less about the other stuff. Honestly, that's usually where I'm at. I just got lucky enough that this check in hardware came with a, a good payday and a TOC seat, which... For me, that's all this really was. It was TOC or bust for me. Um, you know, we so this was my third cash at Hobie, which is a little disappointing because if it was top 15% like it is now, I think I would have had seven or eight caches because I was always like right on the cusp of that 10% line, but just never good enough to be there three times. And um, I chased it pretty hard last year. I'd like to think I'm a pretty consistent angler. So I think, you know, I set a goal of making that TOC. But whether I cut a check along the way or not, who knows? But I'm pretty usually point wise, I can try to sneak in. So I snuck in the last two seasons. But this year with the Queen City expansion, I couldn't travel like I did last year. I mean, I went everywhere last year. So I told my wife, I was like, look, they're coming back to Santee or we're going to Santee because we kind of co-host this event. I said, mm-hmm. we're going back to Santee. You know, last year in practice, I caught 98 inches. And then on day two, I caught 105 inches. It's just that damn Saturday cost me last year. So I told her, I was like, she's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to that spot and I'm either going to make the TOC or I'm not. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. So I went there in practice and um, I caught 41 inches in two casts. I had a 20.75 and like a 20 and a quarter. And I was like, that's it. I put the rods up. I called her. I said, I'm looking for a B spot and a C spot because my A spots got them. And then I found a little bit of a B spot and then mother nature got in the way. And uh, we ended up having to postpone. So we postponed queen city to Sunday and we canceled or AJ canceled Saturday on Hobie and made it a one day event on Sunday. So Mary calls me and she's like, so what are you going to do now? I said, that's it. I'm all in now. I said, now I got to hope there's five of them. And if they're there, I'll be okay. And if they're not, I lose just like I've lost every other time. No big deal. And obviously they were there. And so were about five other people fishing, which was a little stressful for me. But um, I got lucky. I did, I did a couple little things different that other people weren't doing, and it worked out. 
Now, were you, did you expect anyone to be there? Like, when you pre-fish, was there any signs that other people were around, or was it just kind of a, eh, okay, they're, they're so, here, I got to deal with it. Or do you think people heard that you had a good pre-fishing day? Oh, man. So, last year, I, so I didn't think we'd go back to Santee. So, Y'all heard that big size, so that means there's a story coming here. There's a damn story. Yeah, you got a noise for the story. So, <laughs> so uh, last year at weigh-in, I had a really big day too, and it put me up on stage even after a miserable day one. So I got to say a little bit about my day, and I realized I said too much, but I didn't think we would go back there right away. So I wasn't concerned about you know maybe two, three, four years down the line. So I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. And when we come to find out that my buddy accidentally showed some pictures of an area that he shouldn't have showed. So, so, uh, so the information was out there. If you knew where to find it about kind of where we were and what we were doing. So my buddy, did you talk about landmarks or just structure you were fishing and people kind of put two and two together? Or did you like flat out say like, I was on the north end of the lake oh, no, or no. what? No, I never, I'm very secretive when it comes to like locations, especially like this, this is the juice. So mm-hmm. no, they, they kind of took bits and pieces and, and eliminated a lot of stuff. And, okay. you know, some people think they know where I was and they have no idea. And some people actually found it. So, but, um, my one buddy who I caught one Oh five and he caught 97 or 98 right next to me. So we had 17, 20 inches together, which is, absurd in eight hours and um he moved to michigan so all year he's talking about i can't wait to go to santee i can't wait to go to santee we're going to this spot we're going to this spot so we get to the spot thursday morning for practice and i whack those two big ones right out and he's like we're good we're coming back here um friday night hobie captain's meeting i run into an angler and I'm like, hey, man, what's up? I heard you had a big day in practice. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, man, I had a good day Thursday. And he's like, I was doing this. And I was like, I was doing this. And he was like, but I was over here. And I was like, but I was over here. And I was like, did you find my fish? And he said, where the hell are your fish? So we went over to the side and we looked at a map. And I was like, oh, my God, you found my fish. He's like, well, I'm going. I said, so am I. I said, so <laughs> we're either going to not communicate and be around each other or we're going to argue and we're going to race. And I said, so what do you want to do? And I said, if you want to race, I'll just make my kayak as light as possible and we'll race. (laughs) And uh, we ended up agreeing that we were both going to fish this little area together. And I let him know that my buddy was also coming with me. So that was three of us. And then I said, when you say a little area, how little is a little area? Because to me, coming from, from the redfish side, like you can, because we fish partners too, so you can be within. And this tournament we're gonna fish Saturday. You have to be within three hundred yards of your partner, and another team cannot come within a hundred yards of you fishing. So I know some tournaments are like you. You need a twenty-yard buffer, a ten-yard buffer, like. What? How small is this area that you're talking about? Because to me, a small area is like five, six acres. Like, like that's how far. That's a small area to me. 
50 yards each way. Okay, so that is a small area. That's like a little pond. Like we there, can cross there is lines all day long. Not a big area there. Okay, so you guys are really, really tight. Now, I, I got to ask, too, who who gave up in the negotiation first? Was it Were you like, okay, so where are you fishing? I don't know. Where are you fishing? I don't no, know. Where are you so, fishing? So I asked him. I said, what boat are you in? And he told me. And I said, well, what's your speed? And he told me. And I said, look, I'm going to be honest. If you can run that speed, you're going to beat me there. I said, so if you're going to beat me there, tell me where you want to start. You know, what's your A spot? And he told me. And I said, okay, so if you take your A spot, you're good if I take my A spot over here? And he said, yeah. And I said, and we'll give Matt, because we knew Matt would be last in. So mm-hmm. we'll give Matt this spot. And he said, that's fine, as long as I have this spot. And I was like, perfect. So he got his spot. He sat on it until first cast. I got up to my spot. Um, Matt took his spot, which Matt was extremely excited about, because that's where he wanted to be anyway. So it all worked out. Everybody was happy until... I had 94 inches before any of them had a bite. And then uh, and then I stuck another one and I had one oh I think I had a hundred point seven five and both of them were still skunked. So it was like they were, you know, you could feel the tension and mm-hmm. and and I hate it because I wanted us all to catch a hundred inches. It wasn't, you know, I didn't think I had an advantage over them. We were all together. And um it got a little weird. The air got a little weird. We stopped even like looking at each other almost. And uh, finally, Nate got on. Nate caught a good one, and then he moved, and he had four good ones. And I was like, okay, well maybe he can do something too. But Matt never caught a fish. He skunked, which was brutal. I mean, I only caught eight. It wasn't like I was sitting there ripping them out all day. I caught eight mm-hmm. fish. So, but isn't, um, isn't that a weird feeling though? Like. Oh. You're killing the fish and you're really happy about it, but you see somebody else and you know they're staring at you and you know they are upset. And you kind of feel bad, but then you kind of don't feel bad at all. Well, yeah, no, I did feel bad. There was never that never feel bad at all feeling. I did feel bad because I just, I really didn't understand it, I guess. I wasn't really doing anything magical but I've been in this situation before where I'll tell somebody exactly what to do. We'll do it together and I'll outfish them six, six to one. And mm-hmm. so there's just, and I don't know how to describe it, but there's something I'm doing where there's something with my setup that these fish are liking. So I hated it, man. I wanted everybody to have, I wanted to have one on one and I wanted someone else to have a hundred. And I wanted the next guy to have 99. And then wherever the chips fell, they fell. I did not want it to be like this, but selfishly at the end of the day it worked out um you know so i had fun and i I kept my emotions to myself until that last fish when that when i went from 94 to almost 101 100.75 i screamed i was that was it for me because i hit my goal i knew i needed 100 i knew there was ten thousand dollars on the line and uh, i had no service to upload so nobody knew what i was doing except for me my wife didn't even know and um Stuck that last fish. I got him in the net, and I finally screamed, and I was like, "Yeah!" And then I feel the lasers <laughs> coming on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're a better man than me on that man <laughs> because look, we were fishing in an area, and there was another team there, and they were fishing in, for lack of a better term, I'm just gonna say a spaghetti bowl. 
It's where a bunch of back lakes came together and stuff. And we were trying to get to one of the far lakes. And we were just, we were literally sitting there waiting for them to move. Like they would fish a little bit forward and then they would stop and we would stop. And you couldn't ask them to pass them? Well, we could have asked them to pass them, but we saw the way that they were working. Like, they were working this spaghetti bowl, and they were working there slowly, methodically, like working their way down the spaghetti bowl. And the where we were at, in some of those marsh drains and stuff, I mean, you're talking about some channels that are just little creeks yeah. is all it is. I mean, if we were to go in front of them, we would have blown out. Yeah, like yeah. the whole area that they were trying to fish. There wasn't any going around them or anything. Like we just had to wait. So we waited. And we waited. Mm. And we waited. And as soon as they got past the entrance to this lake that we were trying to get to, like we came in behind them because we, we figured like, I mean, they can't get mad at us now. We literally waited for them to fish that whole shoreline and the whole entrance to that lake before we came through to go into the lake. And as soon as they got past and as soon as we got to the entrance of the lake, I saw a wake and I chunked a chatterbait at it. And as soon as I hit him, all you heard was hootie hoo! <laughs> and you hear me screaming and they both turn around and look and gave me the death stare because they had just hit that water so freaking hard. But I didn't feel bad because we literally waited 30 minutes for them to finish fishing that area just so we could get back to the area that we fished. So now whenever we run into this team at the launch, we're like, Hey, where are you guys going to start at? This is where we're going to start at. And it's usually like you said, where's your spot that you want to fish the most? Yeah. We will stay out of that. This is the spot that we want to fish the most. Now, if we move from our first area, it's game on to just fish wherever the heck you want. And if you guys move from your first area, it's game on to fish wherever you want. But we're going to give you guys, I mean, because we're usually launching. Um, you can launch at our tournaments whenever you want. You just have to have lines in at like 6.15 or 6.30. We're like, okay, well, till 9 o'clock, we are going to stay out of y'all's area. But yeah. if y'all move out of there, like – it's it's game on no matter where we're at so yeah and that's that's kind of where we were at we each got our a spot and then whatever happened after the a spot happened and i I caught four four i caught four in my a spot and then i caught two in a secondary spot that I, i mean we'll just call it luck i was just casting and i was hooking uh white perch and white bass and i was like man there's got to be a big green one in here eating these bastards and stuck them 20 i think it was like a 20 and a half so you know it's just one of them things man i, I just i wish everybody could have done well do, do you want to tell us what you were using or you want to keep that a secret yeah i'd rather not i i haven't said it on anything and just because i don't know if we're going to end up back there you know i kind of ride the coattails of hobie when they decide where in the carolinas we're going to go and then once he once aj and i communicate on a location we, we work together but he usually has a little more decision-making on where we're going to go the next season. So I, I got to keep it. I got to keep it in the pocket this time. That's for, I mean, you got guys showing up that were listening to what you said like a year or two ago or something and trying to put stuff together from pictures and everything. Yeah, so I, can, crazy, I can understand that. Well, just a follow-up question then. 
since you're, you know, you want to keep that area secret and the, the bait that you were using and stuff a secret, do you think it was more about the color? I mean, and I want you to give this a percentage because I don't want you just to give me the, well, you know, it's a combination of all of them. Like, do you think it was more the location on in where you chose to fish? Do you think it was your presentation that you were using? Or do you think it was more just your familiarity with that whole body of water because you fished that more than once? And I want you to rate them one through three. Like, don't just give me a generic. So it's not familiarity at all. It okay. is uh, because of because of the specifics of this spot. It has nothing to do with the rest of the lake. So it's okay. that's the lowest on your meter. Um, as far as what I'm doing, um, what would you, you say? What would you say? What you were doing was special, or the spot was special? One, I, think I know you don't want me to say it's a combination, but I do think the color that I'm using in the spot is what makes it special. Okay, I'll take be, that. Same exact color that I did it on last year. And it was the same exact color that we did it on in practice. And it, it's a color that is custom. If you can, can't go buy this exact, you can buy something close to it, but you can't buy this exact color. I've had other people try to mimic what I've done at the same exact location, but I don't tell them the exact bait and they can't do it. So I think it's, I know he didn't want the generic. It's a combination. No, no, no. That's a good. That's a good answer right there. That that's yeah. a really good answer because it's a combination. But I could tell that since you started talking about custom colors and everything <laughs> else, it was more about what you were throwing in that certain location than anything else. I think so. Whether whether it's just in my head, but you know that, like I said, there were four other guys around me. One guy caught two. One guy caught one. One guy caught none, and I had one hundred and one. So, hey, that, yeah, funny. I mean that that's probably evident. Like that tells <laughs> you that tells you everything you needed to know about yeah. fishing that spot and what was needed to catch those fish. Um, now, another another topic on that was you you talked a little bit about pre fishing and knowing this. Now, one thing that I did want to cover today was just being prepared for tournaments. Like, what do you think? are some of the things that you do and that doesn't necessarily mean pre-fishing or tons of map study which i mean you could bring that up as well but is there anything else that you do because i know you're one that likes to keep your mind sharp keep your body sharp you're talking about the grind of everything what are some particular things that Vinny does to get ready for these big tournaments um so it's funny, my wife and I, my wife always asks me when I come in from the garage after prepping for a big tournament, did you just win it? And I always answer, yep, I just won it. That's where you win it. You win it in the garage before you even leave town to get to the lake, right? I got to say, I've never met your wife, but she sounds super supportive because when I come in from the garage, my wife's like, are you done and ready to come to bed? Like <laughs> that, It's not, did you just win it? It's like, get in the shower, you smell like gulp, now come to bed. <laughs> But go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean Let to me interrupt. Let see you. if she'll come in, and we'll put, we'll put her on the spot, and I'll ask her uh, what question she always asks me. Deal, deal. So she 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 asked you if you just won it. Yep. So so part of my routine is going in the garage for however many hours it takes, 
getting behind my desk, which is my little fishing area, and retying, respooling, getting my 10 to 15 rods set up, whatever, right? So um, I think trusting your gear is a huge part of, of being on the road because you don't have access to your local shop. You don't have <laughs> – she's like, not to get on the podcast, right? <laughs> now, um, you you're, talking about, shop. you're talking about getting this ready, though. Tournaments on Saturday. When do you start being in the garage getting stuff ready? So am I is it local or am I leaving for a week? You're local? leaving. You're you're traveling to go to the BOS. Like the before you have to leave your garage with all your stuff, when when is it happening? I wanted they wanted to hear what question you ask me every time I come in from the garage after I'm tying up. They can't see you, so you don't have to hide. <laughs> She's hiding in the corner now. He said you're super, super supportive. Oh, did you win? Did I win? Did you hear her? There you go. I heard her. I heard her. Um, <laughs> I, I was saying that my wife just asked me, like, are you done yet? Are you coming to bed? She's not as supportive as did you win? Did you win? <laughs> yeah, that's what they tell wanted to see. Her. How lucky he is. Over oh, over she again. said, tell you. Tell me how lucky I am. <laughs> You you are you are lucky to have a supportive spouse. But I, if if you go back two episodes ago, me and Jess talk about things to make it better. Whenever you have fishing tournaments and things like that, I suggest guys go listen to that and get it oh, from a, from a woman's perspective. Um, I actually did a lot of the things because I have a tournament coming up this Saturday. Um, I mowed the grass. I weed eated. I got everything done with the house. I got all my honeydews done yep. the weekend before the tournament. Yep. Because I want to have a clear head going into it. I don't want to come home to a mad wife and dandelions in the front yard. But sorry, go ahead. No. So so let's say the tournament is the next Saturday, and it's this Saturday, right? A lot of what I'm doing for that event depends on my, my life. So I coach um, two softball teams and a football team. And we touched on that last time too. But um, so chances are the next five nights don't exist for me, right? I'm, I'm getting home at seven o'clock, eight o'clock from practice. I'm probably jumping on a podcast with you that we got to redo three or four times. And then it's only two, but go ahead. <laughs> but then before you know it, I got to leave town. So I'm usually prepping the weekend before which doesn't really help you with the mindset deal other than you know you have fresh knots on, you have fresh leaders on, your baits have sharp hooks, you know, that kind of stuff. It's less to worry about. Less to worry about. So on a normal BOS event, I take Thursday and Friday off of work and I leave Wednesday straight from work. So if it's a seven-hour drive, I'm getting there at midnight and I go to sleep for a few hours and I'm up and fishing Thursday morning. So it's pure chaos. Honestly, it's insane. But that's what I've been doing for the last three years. And I knew this year I couldn't do it as much. So this year with Santee, I did it anyway. I left from work, but it was only a two and a half hour drive. I got there Wednesday night. I fished Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We were on lockdown because of the weather. So yeah, so that's step one. I'm in the garage. I got a bin on the floor and that's the maybe bin, right? Oh, I got five white chatter baits in the box, but maybe I'm going to need these three extra ones, throw them in the bin. I got this color worm, but maybe they're going to be biting the pink one today, throw it in the bin. So I always have a bin. I have 
extra batteries. I have extra drives. I always bring an extra drive just in case, especially in a man-powered event. Um, and then my 11 rods are rigged. And then I have the, the four maybe rods that make it in the truck as well. Right. What if I snap two rods today? <laughs> it's always way too much gear. So you're taking 15 rods with you. So there's usually if if I'm showing up to a lake where I have to learn, learn the lake, I'm probably I probably have 11 on the kayak. If I'm showing up and I know I'm fishing a drop shot for eight hours, I might have five on the kayak. It's just. I don't know. It just depends. And that's what practice is for, to eliminate some rods, to leave a handful of rods in the house, to leave that maybe box in the house. But I need to know I have it with me just in case, because a lot of these places I've never seen. Uh, Hobie took me to lakes that I, dude, I went to New Hampshire. Like that's 17 hours from me. Like I've never been in New Hampshire. So that's just one example, you know, and I've been to all these different places. You go one place, there's zero visibility. You go to New Hampshire, it's 30 foot visibility. So you just never know what you're going to run into. So I'd rather have it with me, worry about it when I get there. Um, so that's step, step one. Just coming from someone who takes like four rods. I know it's different and it this is. is, I'm only half joking, but you can tie baits onto a rod after you tie a different bait on you guys know that right oh, is that like, how that works? yes it doesn't have to stay tied on the whole tournament like you can <laughs> switch between a top water and a chatterbait but I, I i know i'm just i'm half joking I'm half well joking. i'm gonna joke right back with you because you said when we were backstage before we even started you started drinking your iv drinks now yes for the weekend. why why'd you do that because you know prepare. you have to stop yeah you're not gonna eat you're not gonna drink not on tournament day. I'm not. I, I want to be as hydrated and have as much stuff in my stomach as possible because I, I well, the big thing is I don't want to eat breakfast because I don't want to get the BGs while I'm out there on tournament day. And I'm trying to think about, yeah, I'm trying to think about where I'm going to stop and, and where is the point that I can get out on in this marsh. I don't want to have to think about that at all. And I already know that I'm going to be drinking too much caffeine on tournament day, and I'm probably going to dehydrate myself a little bit. So I have to start hydrating right now. And you've been watching me drink this water bottle full, this huge, I mean, it's a 32-ounce water bottle. I'm chugging this stuff down because I'm trying to get hydrated now. It's just, it's a time thing. For me, every minute I spend rigging up a new rod on the water is a minute that I could have caught a 24-incher. So every part of my day is pretty well calculated to not waste time. You know, I don't mind wasting an extra five, 10 minutes in the parking lot at the beginning of the day, putting another couple of rods in the boat because I didn't lose anything. But if I got to retie five rods during a day, if I'm breaking off or I got to put different line of hell, if I got to tie a leader on the kayak, you know, that's all wasted time. So mm. I really tried to not waste time but nobody's perfect obviously it happens but that's always the goal try not to waste time now how long does it take you from the time you pull up to the boat ramp to when you're ready to fish i'm gonna guess it's not very long because you have all your stuff organized prior yeah so the batteries are in the kayak uh am i putting a motor on that's five minutes if i'm putting a motor on if if i'm not i'm taking the 10 rods out of the front truck seat taking the covers off dropping them in the black pack and I'm rolling down to the water. I'm done. Yeah. You already have your baits 
ready. You already have your soft plastics probably in a little nook that you think that you're going to use or know that you're going to use first. Uh, You don't want to have to turn around and dig in your black pack for anything if you can help it. You already put your sunscreen on before you (laughs) before you even launch and the sun comes up like you. You probably have all that stuff done because I also I like to be like that in that mode because I don't want to have to think about anything else but fishing that's That's it it. i don't want to have to think about anything else i don't bring my gopro on tournament day or anything i don't want to mess with any extra stuff i've already got my alarm set on my phone on when i need to be done fishing well i got one set for 15 minutes before i need to be done fishing one set for 10 minutes one set for five minutes and then one set for you better get your ass out of the water and back to the truck (laughs) So I have all of all those already set. I've got an alarm set for lines in like I am ready to go because all I really want to think about is fishing. That's it. I don't, I don't want to have to worry about anything else. I don't see how these guys can stay up and go hang out and party and they're up till like one or two in the morning and then they're back up at four o'clock in the morning to get ready to go fishing. I don't know how guys do that. Like I can't function like that at all. No, I just, I don't want to have to function like that. I, I am a big believer that if I can go to sleep at call it nine o'clock before a tournament, then that's what I'm going to do. Cause when I wake up, God forbid, I, you know, I don't want to be late to the ramp. So I want to wake up early. I want to get situated. So like you said, it's drop the wheels and put in the water and I'm done. That's it. I'm going fishing. There's nothing else for me to do now. As of the last year or so, that's gotten a little more complicated because now I got to put the motor on the mount because I don't drive with the motor on. Yeah. I got to put the two batteries in the back of the kayak in the Craftsman toolbox and hook up the plug. And I got to put the live on the on the holder. So a few more steps than it used to be. But for the if I'm fishing a man powered, the live is already there and I'm just dropping in the water. Now, do you have any any rituals or anything like are you eating certain meals or are you thinking about anything like that before you get out there? No, I don't have anything like that. Um, just feeling confident and prepared is is all I really care about. And it sometimes it's a false sense of confidence because practice sucked and you have no idea, right? And it's just you can't go in thinking negative because then you already lost. If you go in thinking you're screwed, you're screwed. That's it. But if you go in thinking you're going to win, hell, who knows? You might win. So I'm not into like Zodiac signs and, (laughs) you know, all this different kind of stuff. But I'm a true believer that somehow Mother Nature can feel your energy. And I'm dead. I'm dead serious. Like you guys can think I'm crazy or whatever. But if you go into a situation and I'm talking about any situation like a hike, a camping trip, like just going out fun fishing, taking your kids out. Like if you go into something with negative energy, the mother nature is going to give you negative energy back. If you go in thinking, man, my life is going to suck at this tournament today. I ain't caught nothing pre-fishing, nothing. You're going to snap a rod. You're going to lose a fish on a bad night. Like it's going to start raining on you. You okay. may leave your, you may leave your hazard lights on and you come back and your truck battery's dead. Like if you put forth that negative energy into the world, it is going to come back at you, especially when it comes to 
dealing with stuff outside, and I don't know how else to explain that. Like, y'all can think I'm some crazy tree hugger type person with that, but I'm a firm believer. You put out positive vibes to the fish, you are going to get positive vibes back from the fish. You know, it's not even that you're going to get the positive vibes back. It's just that you're at least starting in the green. You're not starting in the red with a negative mindset. Negative mindset, it's over for you, man. You're never going to recoup from that because as soon as you break one off, it just adds into the negative bucket. As soon as you break a rod, it adds into the negative bucket. And then by noon, it's like, man, forget this tournament. I'm going to hell home. Yeah, you don't even try. You don't even try anymore. You you just you start packing it up and, and, and you head back in. Whenever I asked you about the food thing, like it's been it's been well noted on this show about my stomach issues. But I've I've had most of that taken care of. But a thing that I like to do the day before a tournament, and this may not be for everybody, depends how regular you are. I eat a dinner fairly early, earlier than normal. That way when I wake up the next day. I've got plenty of time to have that evacuation before I get on the water. So I will consciously eat dinner more at like 5.30, you know, maybe 6 o'clock instead of maybe that 7.30, 8 o'clock late dinner because I'm out doing stuff in the garage and I'm just grabbing something. I'll eat dinner early and then I'll take my melatonin about 8 o'clock. That way by 9, 9.30 I'm asleep because there is nothing harder than going to sleep when you're excited about a tournament the next day because you are sitting there thinking about every single fish that you can put in that boat and you're daydreaming about holding those big Hobie checks and getting those trophies. Like you're thinking about all that stuff the night before and it makes it, it makes it pretty difficult to sleep. So that I try to tell, I talk to a lot of new anglers as a director, right? They ask a lot of questions. They, they express their feelings. Um, more of a therapist than a director sometimes but that that whole unable to sleep thing went away for me after my first win when I got my first win now this is a long time ago but after I got my first win that next tournament I slept like a damn baby because I was like so I think for me as a competitor it was always the stress of I gotta get this first win I gotta win this tournament and not really the stress of am I gonna catch the fish I'm pretty it doesn't always happen, but for the most part, I feel like I'm going to catch some fish. So it was that, man, I got to get this win and show I can actually do this. And then once I finally did that, I don't have an issue sleeping. Now I was a little nervous this last weekend because I knew other people were going to be there. I knew it was going to be a race situation and I knew it was going to be hero or zero and no in between. And uh, so I was a little stressed out. I had a little bit of trouble falling asleep there, but for the most part, I tend to sleep pretty good. So I don't know. We'll see. This and, weekend. and and when I say like I can't sleep, it's not stress. Like I'm not sitting there thinking about, oh man, what am I gonna do there? It's more excitement. I'm yeah. like, I'm setting the hook on a topwater in my head as I'm sitting there trying to go to sleep. Like I'm half reeling. <laughs> I'm kicking jest. Like I I'm sitting there, Bill dancing fish. Like in my head, I'm thinking about this kind of stuff. And I used to do it before baseball games and stuff like that. Like I would envision the pitcher throwing me a pitch and, you know, hitting it out of the park. And it wasn't like I'm listening to the fans cheer me on and everything, but I'm visualizing what is going to happen the next day. And that's some things that 
if you yeah. if you played sports in the past, like a lot of sports psychologists talk about just visualizing the positive things that are going to happen and like making it happen. So it's not that I'm nervous and I'm like, man, I hope we catch fish tomorrow. I'm more like, all right, when I hit this point, ooh, I'm gonna throw this. I'm gonna throw this top water, and I know it's gonna get blown up there. Like I'm extremely, extremely excited about it. Yeah, but I, no, I, I am. That. Look, I'm taking some melatonin because we to get to the coast. I'm still two hours from the coast, so I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning so we can leave by three thirty, three forty-five, so I can get there and we can launch at five forty-five to have, be out there starting to fish at 6 15 6 30 so yeah, i gotta be asleep at man i gotta be asleep at nine o'clock i've got to get a good night's sleep the night before i have to have all my stuff in the truck ready because if not it is freaking miserable when you go to bed at midnight and wake up at three especially for me i just turned 39 like last week and i know that's not too old compared to some people but man it is Three hours sleep, you are old. Once you pass 30, three hours sleep, it don't matter if you're 30 or you're 60, you ain't worth a damn if you're only <laughs> if you're only running on three hours sleep. At, at the two-hour mark, I like to get a room. If I'm at the two-hour mark, I like to be in the city where we're fishing because that next morning is miserable at 3 o'clock. Oh, so. yeah. It, it, even if you do well, you can't really celebrate too, too much because you're well, half falling asleep on the way. You got to get that. You're just and then like, you got man, back. So his yeah. weigh-in's almost over. Like, oh man, I just yeah. this this sucks. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about because I did it yesterday actually is you were talking about getting everything ready. You know, getting making sure your line is good, making sure you have the baits on there that you want. A lot of guys, I'll just I'll just tell you for these new guys starting out, get more organized. Get your tackle more organized because when you're getting stuff ready for these tournaments, and like you were saying, you have your maybe bucket, you have your definite, you know, stuff in the black pack, and you have all this, it's a lot easier when you don't have to look for crap. Like, I just reorganized my whole bait wall. And pegboard, guys, if you have a space, pegboard is not that expensive. Go get you two pieces of pegboard, buy you a $60 hook set off of, you know, to go in the pegboard off of Amazon and keep your stuff organized where all you have to do is go, okay, let me grab a pack of shaky heads. Let me put that in there. Let me grab this. Let me put that in there. Okay, I think they're going to be biting off this. Let me put that in there. But that's the easy part. Make yourself put the shit up after the tournament. Put it, put it back up where you got it from. That way, the next tournament, you just boop, boop, and you put it in there again. And if you get a system going, you're going to feel even more confident going forward about the system that you have. I know some guys, they have a checklist and everything. Like, I'm not that anal about it. I don't have a checklist. I just check off in my head the big things at first. I'm like, all right, paddle, life jacket, uh, net, shoes, drive okay i got that in the truck now i can load the rest of the stuff <laughs> that stuff never leaves the kayak for me so like i eliminated your whole first list for me it never moves out of the outside of the kayak the net is inside the hole with the drive on it inside the cockpit with the drive on it the pfds in the back of the seat 
The shoes are there that I'm going to wear just sitting in the cockpit. The fish finder's in the cockpit. So, like, that's a whole, you know, 10 things that I don't even have to think about. So, first thing for me when I walk in the garage is, all right, I got to charge four Dakota lithium, 10 amp hours, and two 60s for the motor if it's a motor event. So, I get all those going on, on plugs. And then the next step is usually am I fishing clean water, dirty water, or I have no idea. So last event, I grabbed all the dark colors because I knew Santee would be a mud puddle, and it was, or or bright colors for moving baits. And then exact opposite, I'm going to Hartwell next week to fish with bass this weekend coming up. So that's, that's crystal clear water. So I don't need to bring, so I can eliminate a whole bin of dark color baits right there. So like, that's my immediate start point as far as lures. And then if, if you got a lot of new guys who are listening, you don't need every color that a company makes. No, you need a light a variety, and a dark. You know what I'm saying? You need a variety of green pumpkin, whether it's a green pumpkin green or it's a green pumpkin red or magic, whatever your juice is, that bass probably doesn't care what color the glitter is most of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. they want it red. I throw green pumpkin magic. It's my go-to color 99, 90% of the time. I do mix in some red. I do mix in some green. And then if we're fishing black, a dark water, or or hell, if we're fishing clean water, black catches them, period. End of story. All year round, any color water. So get yourself some black. Get yourself some green pumpkin. And if you want to get a fancy color, like a plum or, you know, uh, I don't know, some old school Zoom red bug or whatever, then get it. But for the most part, eliminate how much shit you buy to put on that pegboard and you'll be more organized from the get-go. Sorry if you're going to have to bleep that one out. No, um, I'm not. I'm not. We, we, you can cuss on here. You, and you then same thing with the what. crankbait selection. You, you really need a shad pattern, a chartreuse pattern, a craw pattern. You don't need everything else. So get yourself a square bill in each one, a six in each one, a 10 in each one. And I'm not throwing 20 footers. So, but if that's you, that's your gig, then go for it. You know, so just keep it K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. I use, hey, I said that, I said that today at work. If you go look at my, my bait wall that I'm talking about, I have white with chartreuse tail, new penny with chartreuse tail, and then black and silver. That's it. There's three rows of different baits in those colors. And I'm like, okay, we've had a lot of rain. It's going to be clearer water. Well, no, it may be muddier water. Let me take the new penny. We haven't had any rain. I'm going to go fish a place with grass. It's going to be really clear. I'm taking the white. And I'll literally throw those all day long and won't change it up and catch catch fish if you are second guessing what color you're using i'm not a hundred percent sure that it is just all color all the time like you may get more bites off of one color than the other but you'll probably still get bites on both colors as long as they're fairly similar but i'm i'm with you have a dark color a light color I, i gotta i'm sorry I have a light color, a medium, and a really dark. Like, that's it. So when I go saltwater fishing, I'm going to tell you about saltwater, and then I'm going to talk about when color might be different. But I go saltwater fishing, I bring three things. I got my new penny gulp. I got, uh, what is it? More um, Molten oh, shrimp? 
No, hold on, hold on. I got a voodoo shrimp. I got new penny shrimp gulp, and I got um the Z-Man trout tricks, swimming trout tricks in opening opening night. Yes. Those are all three baits like, like that purplish color. Yeah, it's just shad with like silver glitter in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only three baits I'm bringing. They're either biting it or I'm going home. That's it. It's I don't keep it any simpler than that in the in the marsh, in the salt. Now, obviously a little bit different in, in the fresh, but sometimes, and, and I don't know when, some of these higher anglers, they might know when. Sometimes colors matter. Last year, Buddy and I were fishing this creek. We were both throwing black and blue, Sankos, because black and blue was supposed to be what you're supposed to be throwing in this lake. Well, I wasn't getting bit on black and blue, so I switched to what I wanted to throw, and it's called Candy Bug, and it's uh, it's from Biz Baits. It's a sassy stick, Sanko-style bait, and it's built for tannic water. So, what what color is it though? It's called Candy Bug. It's like oh, what color is Candy Bug? Purple. Okay. Pur- purple, green flake, and it might have. Damn, Brian's gonna kill me if I don't know. Might have a little bit of red flake in it. It's sexy. I, I should have it with me right now, but. So I switched to that, and I caught six fish in the next hour. I gave a pack to him, and he was catching fish. So I don't know what it was about that day, but that day, color of the plastic mattered. So, you know, I I don't just take a green pumpkin magic with me. I take a couple varieties of green pumpkin, and I take a couple varieties of a black, black and blue, June bug. But for a brand-new angler, somebody looking to go just catch fish, Get a couple natural colors, get a couple dark colors, leave the rest on the shelf. You don't need them. I like so. it. I like it. And, <laughs> and we're, we're, I'm sponsored by Pure Fishing, so I don't want to talk too much about uh, something that isn't Berkeley. <laughs> there you, you see go. that? That's I a slam. I see it. That's but if, if, if you were talking about your favorite Z-Man color, if you can find Beer Run in the Diesel Minnow, that that will catch some redfish. Is that brown with a chartreuse tail? No. So beer run is like a uh, is like a pearl color oh. with with gold, heavy heavy gold flake in it. And redfish love something with gold flake. Just FYI. All right. But it's called beer run. You can only get it on certain places. But Vinny, man, you got you got anybody you want to thank? Anything else you want to talk about? You want to. You want to plug Queen City real quick and talk about the tournaments coming up and, and tell us what's on schedule. You mentioned the bass event coming up. Like, you got the No Limit stuff. Like, you got a lot of stuff coming up. So, just plug yeah. anything you want to plug. The next five minutes is yours, too. Like, you can do the real sales pitch now, not just yeah, throwing it in there for the conversation. Like, give us the real sales pitch. So, Queen City um, Kayak Bass Fishing, that's a series that I, I run here in the Carolinas. This is the ninth season. Uh, we are fairly large. A lot of people call us the largest grassroots series in the country. Uh, we Last season and a bunch of seasons before that, we hosted 10 events. Last year, we averaged 116, I think was the final number, across those 10 events. Uh, we're lucky enough to work with the Hobie Bass Open Series. We, I am the North Carolina Bass Nation director, so I give seats away for that. I host the state championship for that. Uh, this season, we expanded. We now have three divisions. We have a Western division, we have a Southern division, and we have a main series. So we just had our co-hosted event with the Hobie Bass Open Series through our main event on Santee Cooper. And now this weekend, we're going down to 
Lake Hartwell with our Southern Division event, and we're going to co-host with the Bass Masters, Bass Master Kayak Series Open on Lake Hartwell. Now, this is a little bit of a weird situation for me as a director because we already touched on the fact that we're manpowered and Bass is not manpowered. So I don't actually think we as a club are going to benefit much from this this relationship, but I wanted my guys the opportunity to go fish a national event on what some of us might consider home water and have a shot to qualify for the championship next year. So we're doing that, and then we're going to chase some smallmouth on April 22nd up at Lake James with the Western Division. And uh, we're, we're rolling towards a $15,000 purse championship in November. And everything we do, man, it is funneled through Native Watercraft and Big Adventures. You know, I love those guys. They're like family. Uh, they are based out of North Carolina, about a little less than two hours from my front door. So easy ride up to the mountains. I get to see my boy Tyler and, you know, the shop and all the new boats and everything like that. So huge shout out to Native Watercraft. We do have some amazing sponsors with Queen City. Too many to name, honestly, and I know I'll end up forgetting somebody, but we do have anglers chasing the Angler of the Year this year, which is presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Uh, we have Native is our premier sponsor. Uh, we have Boondocks, who stepped up this year, and they are our Southern Division sponsor. And Big Adventures jumped in this year as our Western Division sponsor. So if you are in the Carolina area and not afraid to fish some man-powered stuff, Come check us out at Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing. We have paid out a minimum of 2000 at all of our main trail events this year for first place. Second place is also a guaranteed 1000 And then I hate even saying that because second place has been like 15, 1600 at all the events because they've been so large. Um, and then our smaller events are guaranteed $1,000 for first place as well. And we've actually paid out closer to 1500 on those because the turnout's been really good. So I can't, I'm afraid to say we're going to guarantee that because you never know, but you know, we've had, we set a goal and if I'm rambling, shut me up, but we set a goal of 120 average for the main series. And in three events so far, we've had 131, 120 and 161. And we set a goal of 30 in the Western division. There's just not a lot of people in the mountains that tournament fish. So we weren't really sure what it was going to look like. And we've had one event and we had 55. So that was awesome. And we've had, that's a solid start. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we set a goal of 60 in the Southern division and we've had one event and we had 64, I think it was. So we're over average on everything, which if we hit our average numbers, we'll have 15,000 in the purse for the championship, which for a small grassroots club is a huge number. And first place will be over eight grand. So, okay. I got. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, I got two questions because you were on a roll. I'm on a roll, baby. All right. First question is whenever you combined and you co-host tournaments like that and you talked about, you know, them being able to give them a shot at the, you know, qualifying for this or that. But that also benefits – your tournament as well because your anglers get to fish both and still get points towards the angler of the year stuff in your tournaments as well right i mean am i am i kind of seeing that right or no i mean like how does it benefit you to team up with them other than the guys that normally fish your tournaments may qualify for something in theirs 
So I'll talk on the easy one first. Our relationship with AJ and the Hobie Bass Open Series is beautiful because they're a man-powered series. We're a man-powered series. Most of the rules align perfectly. You could go down the list and everything is beautiful. Uh, this year, they adopted some rules that we did not adopt. So usually we just say, we're running with Hobie rules. Well, we didn't say that this year because of, mostly because of the communication thing. We have a team division here in Queen City. So if we eliminated communication, it would hurt that whole team division. Mm -hmm. So rather than just adopt the rules, we just said, if you're fishing Queen City, follow Queen City rules. But if you're fishing Hobie, obviously you have to follow the Hobie rules. So we let anglers use the Hobie identifier card and everything's great. You dual submit on Tourney X. Huge shout out to Dwayne and Tourney X. They're amazing. Um, you dual submit and everybody has a beautiful event. Guys in Queen City, double dip with Hobie. And then the Hobie guys, I tell them, just look at us as a glorified side pot. You don't have to love us. You don't have to care about points. There's no required membership. And first place is going to be hopefully $2,500. You just got to so pay that interest fee. That's it. Just pay a lousy 65 bucks and you're fishing anyway. So put in four fish and win two grand. And that's what they do. You know, and a lot of the guys know me from the road. And we've now done this four years in a row. We've co-hosted together. So that relationship is beautiful. The new relationship with Bass, and I say relationship, but I don't know if this is something we'll do annually, if we'll, if Steve-O plans to come to the Carolinas more often. I don't know. It just so happens that this year, Steve-O and I decided we're going to go to the same lake at the same time, and we're going to fish together. Now, we have anglers in Queen City who own motors and who want to run their motor. So they may choose to take a drop in the standings or not fish day it just depends where they're at they might take a drop and fish the bass open mm -hmm. because they can run their motor and they can't run it with queen city or i have a couple guys who are considering fishing manpowered on saturday and then dropping the motor on for sunday of the bass open so it's not as smooth because we didn't allow motors we don't allow motors so we won't get when i say it doesn't benefit us i just mean it doesn't benefit us in the fact that those national guys who are running motors are not going to double dip with Queen City. Mm -hmm. where, for, for the Bassmaster one. Yeah, where the national guys with Hobie potentially will double dip because there's no boundaries. There's a big boundary in this one. So we'll see how it works out. I'm not, I'm not stressing it. If guys want to fish, they'll fish. If they don't want to fish, they won't. You know, And maybe next year we consider making this a motor event if this is something we bring together. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Well, now, now I have two more questions. Since Go you for said it. That. So in the Hobie tournament, like co-hosting with them, now you're talking about how you guys are known as the biggest grassroots. Are you? Do you get any pushback from your membership? Like, man, what? What we? Why we got to fish with these Hobie guys? Like, they're not. They're not. They're not Queen City guys. Like these are these are Hobie guys. Have you gotten any pushback? from the guys that are really loyal to your tournament about the quote-unquote outside Hobie guys coming in and fishing your trail just because they're close? No, it's been brought up a couple times that the Hobie guys steal points. You know, we had a couple Hobie guys go one and two last year, I think, or one and three. So they stole the top tier points from the AOI and TOC race. But there's not really been complaints. It's been brought up. There's not really been complaints. And the way the schedule is formatted, we offer three drops. So, like, let's say you come in and you struggle and all these national guys take your points. 
at the end of the day, you can drop it. So it doesn't have to count towards your top seven. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing the, the drops are available helps guys calm down a little bit. Or they've just not said anything and they really hate it. I don't know. But it's been four years in a row now. So we will we will be running the Native Series in conjunction with our trail event. It will be our trail event. Okay. And for that event, we are going to separate members and non-members. And, and people were like, well, why are you doing it here and not there? There with Hobie, per se, this event was one lake. It ended up being one day. Usually it's, you know, a weekend. But mm-hmm. one lake, one day, everybody's on the same body of water. With the No Limit series, it's like 30-some-odd lakes across both Carolinas. So it's it's just massive. And I don't feel like, point-wise, somebody who's six hours away should be claiming points from somebody who's six hours the other way. So we're going to separate it for that. They're event. not competing on the same level so to say i mean they're the same level but not the same level yeah yeah so it's the first time my tech guy is going to do that we're going to separate the points we'll see how it goes and then we'll see what you know what the native event moves to next year and maybe it'll be a trail event and maybe it won't be what you know why you're you're not hearing much about it are you because because some of these people are they're bitching to their friends about it oh man this that came in and stole my points and their friends are like Fish better, fish like, better. D- just fish better than them. Like th- this is these are your home area lakes. Just beat them on your lakes. Don't let I the wonder, Hobie guys come in. I wonder if the Hobie guys bitch that we take their money because we had, and I say Hobie guys, but I don't really mean Hobie guys. I mean you just mean like the people who travel yeah, for those tournaments. Yeah. So we took, I think it was eleven checks last year at Santee, and we took eight or nine this year members queen city members so we're giving it right back to them yeah i mean i think that's got to be expected though like if you're gonna come if you're gonna come to my house and fish like we're gonna put something on you like you can you can come in you may have one or two (laughs) three that do all right but we're gonna we're gonna put something on you because we're we're fishing we're fishing these areas more often we we know the special sauce we forgot the special custom bait for the special area I mean, gosh, I need to get on those custom bakes. Okay, last question. How many more? Last question. (laughs) No, I promise this is going to be the last question because we're going on an hour and four. This is the longest show, Vinny, that I've done this season because I'm doing it weekly. Nice. And I'm like, I'm going to keep it at like an hour for every so. But this has been such a good conversation. Like, it's going to be the first two hour episode of this show. So, how many more anglers? Do you guys need to sign up for these tournaments to quit being known as a grassroots organization when you have backing like Native and Academy? I mean, and you've got like big names backing you. You got 115, 120. Like in your mind, you you guys got to get to 150 for each tournament, 200 before you quit being grassroots. Like what what do you think is going to take? Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't really care. I don't really care what outside people think. I don't really care what the people who are talking shit over there think. I, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do for my guys. And if you want to be under the my guys umbrella, you'll come fish with Queen City. If you want to sit outside and complain about something else, then you'll sit outside and complain about something else. And we'll keep 
fishing for big money and the biggest money you'll find because we have amazing support. I, I really, I never started with this goal of I need to be the biggest and the best. It just, we did it slow. We did it right. And it's, it's stuck, you know, and I, and I want it to stick. So I will say I like seeing growth every year, but I'm not going to put a number on it. I don't, even if we grew one number on the average for next year, that's a growth. So we've never in nine years had a down. If you were looking at a, a climb for nine years, it's been up every single year. So to me, like we said earlier, that goes in the green bucket, right? So I don't want to say we're not grassroots anymore. We're not regional. I mean, well, we are, I guess we are regional. You've we got are. three divisions now, bro. You got three <laughs> divisions. You start doing divisions now. Come on. Come on. It's it, You're going to be in like the Georgia division. I mean, you're going to start going into the Tennessee division. Like it's, man. So I hit like boundaries, Dallas. right? I hit like boundaries. Like North and South is where I live. Not So I live right in South Carolina, but I work in Charlotte. So like I'm right there on the board, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, but like you go to Georgia and you hit a boundary because they got like five Georgia clubs, you know, and who am I to step into your state and be like, get out of the way. We're going to do this. So I've tried to not go or even think about going that way. Um, Tennessee, obviously they don't need me. They got Steve Owens and everything TVKA and everything they do. So the next the next region I'd like to go into is like Eastern and North Carolina, Northern North Carolina and Eastern North Carolina. And then I don't know much about Virginia. Like I know Casey Reed is up there and I don't know what he really does as far as directing anymore, but that's where my next move is. As long as things keep going well, I want, I want happy anglers. I want happy sponsors. You know, that's a big thing. If I can't go to a sponsor, small but can you give me money you know I, I don't and i'm not going to sell any of your product but will you give me more for the table so i need everybody to be happy and if everybody's happy then we'll we'll see where we land i usually do most of my planning in august so we'll see where we land in august i will say and i've shouted him out on like every podcast i've been on for the last couple of weeks uh, we hired a southern director this year which for me was like damn near impossible for me to let go because I just have a control issue. So for me to be like, ah, here, you run this. Oh, it was really hard. Well, but this is your baby, man. This is your baby, right? exactly how I describe it. Like, that is literally me on the logo. A lot of people don't yeah. know that. That is me. So, but he's doing an amazing job. And his name is Blaine, and he's hosting this this event this next weekend. So, you know, if I get more people like him on board, then I think options are endless. So we'll see what the future holds. But and you were right; that wasn't going to be the last question. Why? Um, so, what are they complaining about? Like when you say people are complaining about what you guys are doing, what what are what are some of the the complaints that? Because you guys are growing year after year, so you're obviously doing something right. A lot of people don't realize how hard it is to put together these tournaments. All they see is the weigh-ins. They don't see everything else that goes into it. Like I did one year where we put on two tournaments for the cat saltwater series. And that was fun, but it was also stressful. And I was like, I don't, 
think I need to do this again. Like we did two tournaments and I was like, I, and I didn't even run it, run it. Like I just ran the extra, the entertainment portion. Like I emceed, I had the food ready for everybody. Like I did that portion of it. What are guys complaining about? You guys have had growth every single year. So you're obviously doing something right. Um, motors comes up, you know, every, every club, well, not every club. There's another, I think both clubs in North Carolina allow motors. Um, I know the one club for sure does, and they're, you know, like a KBF affiliate and all that stuff. So they, they allow motors. Um, so I get some feedback from some of their guys, like, you know, we come fish, but we don't want to paddle. Well, sorry, but we're still manpowered. Um, we've had complaints about when we made the metal catchboard move, you know, it just, it needed to be done after all the cheating scandals from, Mm -hmm. you know, a certain state that you live in. But so we did that. Look, there, we got a lot of people. people. We got a lot of anglers here. Like it's a law. It's a law of averages, man. I'm sorry. Like there's there's a lot of people fishing in Texas. Sorry. Uh, there's people who say that all we care about is the money. But my response to that is this is tournament fishing. We're not fishing for high fives. You know, high fives are great. Don't get me wrong. Camaraderie is great. We are one big family. But at the end of the day, we are putting money in to get money out. And if your mindset is not that, then you should fish on Sunday. That's so, you know, we offer a lot. You're smirking like you, you I, agree. No, but no, you no. I, I'm really, I'm really, really laughing because I, I mean, you, you guys have a, a affiliation with Bass and Brews. So I was on Bass and Brews and I was talking to Alex and Alex was like, man, I want to do the fishing, you know, the tournaments and stuff. I think I'm going to do some. Yeah, you know, just for the camaraderie of it all, like I really, I really, you know, think that that's something that I, I want to do. And I'm like, man, that's what losers say. Like, <laughs> no, nobody. And I, I mean, I'm joking. I'm joking whenever I say that to Alex. If you guys listen to Bastard Bruce, like it is a very, very laid back, joking, like oh, getting on to your friends about it. But I'm like, look, man, not a single person. We were talking about it earlier, not being able to fall asleep. Not a single person on tournament day before they go to sleep is like, man, I can't wait to have a hot dog and talk to those guys at the weigh-ins. Like, oh, man, I'm dreaming about just, like, getting a little bit of barbecue and a Dr. Pepper and talking to Vinny about what color he was using in that special spot. Like, I cannot wait. They ain't thinking about that. Like, you're dreaming about holding that big-ass check. Like, that is what you're thinking about. But for some reason, that is looked at as bad by some guys. But we're in the same tournament. Or, you know, I'm putting on this tournament with a guarantee, and some reason that's bad. Or I keep talking about how big our payouts are, and that's bad. Like, I'm sorry, but this is the tournament game. Like, we're in the tournament game. We're not hosting birthday parties on the water like yeah, exactly and and the rest of that is beautiful and that's the part i need people who don't know who i am or the, the people who don't like me to understand the camaraderie the team the team division that we have the friendships that are made the lifelong friendships that are made i mean i got a group of guys that i travel the country with that i want to travel the country with as much as i can right so then that came through competition so it's all great. It's all beautiful, but that's not why we signed up the first time. So yeah, you you want to be friends with like you want to be friends with them 
on Friday night, yes. but on Saturday you want to kick their butt. That's you want to be the one. You want to be the one holding the trophy and telling them, man, like you. You want to hear their fish stories about the one that they lost that could have put them in your spot. And you're like, yep, but you didn't, buddy. But then the next tournament, it starts all over. Like yep. you still have that dinner. You still have that little bit of anxiety of, man, my buddies might beat my ass tomorrow. I ain't really been on the fish. So you can enjoy that camaraderie after all the fishing is done with. Absolutely. You can enjoy that camaraderie before, but you are signing up to win the tournament. Like I understand that different strokes for different folks, but I think maybe it's just growing up, playing sports, being super competitive. Like if I'm signing up for something, I want to win it. Like if we're if we're racing cars at Dave and Buster's, like I want to win Need for Speed. Like I want to beat you. If we're playing ping pong, I want to beat you. If we're not playing, if if we're not going to do something that I think I can beat you in, I'm just going to watch because I don't want to be a loser. I do not want to be the loser. I'm going to go home and practice. So the next time we do this activity, yes, I'm going to beat you. What you so got I there? Coach, I coach little kid football. It's it's comical. It's third through fifth grade flag football. Those, the other schools, they don't like me. They call me the Nick Saban of flag football. <laughs> they don't like me. You know why they don't like me? Because I take it really serious. Because I don't think kids should be out there wanting to lose. It's not okay in my opinion now, it's not okay to be okay not winning. So when they sign up day one, I get the parents around and I let all the kids in the huddle. And I'm like, we are not here to have fun. And they look at me and I'm like, winning is fun. We're here to win. When we win, everybody will be happy. And that's the way we go about our season. If you're here to have fun, you should go with the girls on the run team because <laughs> We're here to win trophies. Do you want to win a trophy? Yes. All right, glad we got that out of the way. Let's move on. Like, and everybody's on, you know, like, I'm not about that. Let's have fun. And and people think, don't agree. And that's perfectly fine. But like you just said, I grew up in sports. I'm a PE teacher. I'm still a competitor where I can be. My daughter, oh, man, they she got second place in a tournament last week while I was at Santee. And she got on the phone and she said, Daddy, can I throw the silver medal in the garbage? I was like... <laughs> No, <laughs> you should be proud, said Daddy, but it's second place. Can I throw it in the garbage? No, hang it up on the back of the shelf, but you should be proud of it. But she's wired just like me, man. Mm -hmm. It's first or last. There is nothing in between, you know. And uh, But, yeah, so, so that's, you know, I don't run the series exactly like that because we do have stuff built in for the guy who is never going to cut a check. I mean, we give – a kayak away to something we call the never give up award. Every year we give a native watercraft away. Um, we do out of the money pay spots. We do prizes, raffle prizes. So I can't run it exactly how I run it. Cause then we would just pay winner takes all, but it, uh, you know, it's tournament fishing as a whole that I'm really talking to. You're here to win money. That's the yeah. end of the story. You're here to gamble. You're here to gamble and you're here to compete. Like those yeah. are the things that you're going to do. Now I will not discourage you. That if you are doing it for the camaraderie and you really feel that way, keep signing up, come to the weigh-ins. Like, I'm sure at the Queen City stuff, like, you are going to learn a lot just from talking to people 
you're going to learn a lot just from being around those type of people and listening to the conversations because they might not give up all the juice, but they're going to, they're going to help people to a certain extent and, and talk about it. Now it might not be the top tier guys that are talking. It may be the guys that are in 20th or 30th and don't know no better. They may be talking about stuff and you can, you can learn a little bit more about how to get better as a fisherman at those tournaments. But once you start to have some success, it's going to ruin you because you're going to be competitive like from there on out. But I will, I will say this, and, and part of what makes Queen City special and or just this group of guys special is it is the top-tier guys who are standing up there telling you exactly what they caught them on. What brand hook, how heavy, what line, what color worm, what brand worm. Like we, we have – our top guys, they don't hide anything. They might hide it the week before, but come mm-hmm. tournament day, at the end They'll of the weigh-in, they're telling you everything you need to know. So I had a conversation with a guy on today's Monday, on Saturday, brand new guy, nervous about coming out. And I'm like, look, dude, it's $65. Like if $65 was going to ruin your bank account, you wouldn't have called me in the first place. I said, so the money you're going to put in, whether you catch a fish or not, you're going to get repaid with knowledge at the weigh-in. I said, and you might get your teeth kicked in for a whole year, but next year, when you take all those little bits of knowledge that you learned at all these weigh-in ceremonies, you're going to start putting limits up and you're going to start setting goals and you're going to try to qualify for the championship. So we're still, that whole grassroots thing, because we're still grassroots, we are affordable. We're only $65. So I don't think we're ruining your your bill payments with $65 for most people. So it's okay to come and experience the camaraderie, get the raffles and the food. That's all great because it didn't cost you $1,000 to be there. When you're on the national scene, no matter what series it is, every entry is 1000 bucks because you got a week's worth of food, a week's worth of hotels, a $300 entry fee. It's $1,000 every time you go somewhere. It's not like that here. And I think that's what might still keep us in that grassroots category is that we're just an affordable $65 entry fee. We've been that way for a long time, and uh, we'll stay that way as long as guys keep coming to fish. Yeah, and and, and I just I want to clarify before we end this. Me and Vinny are not talking bad about you if no. you, if if that's what you, if that's what you come to the tournaments for. Like we both understand that there are different strokes for different folks. We're just not wired like that. Like that is not the way our brains Work, um, if you are a super competitive person, like I said, I want to kick everybody's butt at ping pong. Like, I want to kick your ass on Papa Shot whenever we're at Dave and Buster's. Like, I want to win everything. So, we're not saying there's anything wrong with what you are doing. We're just saying we're not wired. Yeah, we're probably the ones that have issues. Yeah, we have issues. We're we're the problems in society, if you guys want to say that. Like, we're the problems with the winner. But we're also, like, you got to be a little bit crazy to be that competitive at anything and really excel at it. Like, like, so my wife's the same way, but we'll be in Dave and Buster's and we'll be sweating, dude. You look at me like, dude, why are you, why are you sweating? Well, did you get the jackpot on ski ball? I did. <laughs> look, I had a group of friends that wouldn't go out to eat with me no more because of Dave and Buster's. <laughs> I was, I was hammered. Like I was hammered and we were playing one of the driving games and I was just killing them. 
and I was like, guys, I'm drunk. You guys really, really suck at any video games because I am killing y'all in this driving game, and I am hammered. I'm not even able to drive home, and I'm driving better than you guys right now. And I got uninvited to anything that had to do with that group anymore. Man, that's funny. That's how competitive I am. But guys, we we hit the two hour mark, so I'm officially gonna I'm gonna get out of here. We've hit the two hour mark. I gotta go start to get stuff ready for Galveston Red Fist series. I know Vinny's probably got something to get ready for. Well, I just want to say, so I I'm holding the record for the longest podcast on your show. Thank you. So I need you, to know for this season. Yes, you have the record for this season at two hours. So <laughs> there you go. You are the record holder, Mr. Vinny. Well, thank you very much, Commish. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you later. Later, brother. Peace.